I want to talk about the seven feasts of Israel today. There's, there's much in the seven feasts that we need to learn. Now, if we look at the seven feasts, they were broken up into two main sets. Uh, the first set, the, the spring feasts, took place over a period of three days. The Passover, unleaded bread and first fruits. Then after nearly two months or 50 days came the feast of Pentecost. That was in early summer. And then after three months and three weeks we had the feast of autumn or seventh month feast. They all happened within a period of three weeks. Feast of Trumpets, Atonement and Tabernacles. Now, before we go any further, I have to sort of say a few things. Why don't we keep the feast like many people do? Well, first of all, if we keep the feast, we deny that Christ has come. Because as Paul very well tells us, Colossians 2, 16 to 17, in regard to holy days or new moons or the Sabbath days, the feast were all Sabbath days, irrespective of which day they fell, it says that they were a shadow of things to come. If we keep the feast, that means that the thing they pointed to, the coming of Christ, hasn't happened. So you cannot keep the feast and be a Christian. Secondly, Paul tells us they've been nailed to the cross, Colossians 4, 2.14. He says that blotting out the handwriting of ordinances, and this is not the Ten Commandments, because the Ten Commandments were written by what? Were they written by hand? No, they are written by the finger of God. Who wrote the ordinances, the Mosaic Law? It was Moses. He wrote it out with his own hand. It was handwriting. It says, blotting out the handwriting of the ordinances that was against us and was contrary to us and took it out of the way, nailing it to the cross. So if you keep the feast, which must only be kept in Jerusalem, then you're incurring guilt because James 2.10 says, whoever shall keep the whole law and yet offend in one point is guilty of all. So this is why we don't keep the feast days. That's not really what we're talking about here. I want to talk about this quote. Now this quote has been used and abused by many people. Hopefully we're not going to abuse it, we're just going to use it. Great Controversy, page 594. It says, The events connected with the close of probation and the work of preparation for the time of trouble are clearly presented, but multitudes have no more understanding of these important truths than if they had never been revealed. Satan watches to catch away every impression that would make them wise unto salvation and the time of trouble will find them unready. This is talking about the events connected with clothes probation. Now if we come back to the feasts, which feast is the one that relates to the clothes probation? Is it the Passover? Was there a clothes probation at the Passover? How about Pentecost? Was there a clothes probation at Pentecost? What about the Day of Atonement? Was there a closed probation of the Day of Atonement? Well, let's have a look at them in a little bit of detail. Now, I think it's very important to understand this in the context of Revelation 8, 3 to 6. There's a verse that we're very familiar with and yet very few people understand. It says, Another angel came and stood by the altar, having a golden censer, and there was given unto him much incense, that he should offer it with the prayers of all the saints upon the golden altar which was before the throne. And the angel took the censer and filled it with fire of the altar and cast it to the earth. If you throw away the instrument of intercession, what does that imply? That imply the, there's no more intercession, no more mediation. 
that imply a close probation. And there was voices and thunderings and lightnings and an earthquake. And that's followed immediately by the seven angels which had the seven trumpets prepared themselves to sound. Now, so, when the censor is cast down, is this the close of probation? Why does the trumpet sound after probation is closed? As Adventists, we believe that the sixth trumpet sounded in 1843 when the Ottoman Empire lost its power just before the Day of Atonement in 1944. Remember, it created a huge impetus for the Millerite movement because it was foretold months and months in advance and widely published. And then when the Ottoman Empire fell, everybody paid attention to Williams Miller. Williams, Williams Miller's teachings about the events of 1844. So, if the trumpets already sounded, why do they sound after the close of probation? This is a mystery, don't you think? All right, what comes first, the trumpets or the close of it, or the atonement? Let's have a little bit of look at this. Now, we have in the feast, we have the sequence. Pentecost, which was the start of the harvest in Israel. The trumpets, and the Feast of Trumpets was a warning to the people that the Day of Atonement was about to come, ten days later, to allow them to prepare themselves, to repent from their sins, allow them to get themselves right with God, so that their names weren't blotted out, so that they weren't... Um, cut off from among the people. And then we have, finally, the Feast of Atonement, which, what happened on the Day of Atonement? Those who had not repented were cut off. They were cut off from among the people. They were lost. The Atonement was the second last feast of the year. After the Atonement only came the Feast of Tabernacles. There was no more before the cycle started again. Now, if the atonement started, as we believe, in 1844, when will it end? Is it more important when it ends than when it starts? At least for us? What's more important, when it ends? Or what happened 150 years ago? And the point is that, does it end for everybody at the same time? It's another question. Now, let's look at the Day of Atonement. Now, if you look at the Day of Atonement, Leviticus chapter 16, it goes into great detail to explain all the details of the ritual of the Day of Atonement. The Day of Atonement ritual consisted of two parts. The first part was that the high priest had to make an atonement for himself and for his house. Now, all the priests that officiated in the temple were his house because they were his children, Aaron and his sons. And later on, it was the high priest and his sons or his extended family. And after he had made atonement for himself, and he had now been purged from sin, he could then enter into the holy place to... um, He could go then and complete the second part of the ceremony, which was to make an atonement for the people. Unless he had atonement finished for himself... He could not continue the atonement for the people. So there's this two parts. Now 1 Peter 4.17 says, For the time is come that judgment must begin at the house of God. 
And if it begin at us, what shall the end be of them that obey not the gospel of God? So first, atonement's for the house of God, and then atonement closes or finishes for those who are not of the house of God. You know, the ritual for the high priest, he had to wash himself, he had to take a bullock and slay a bullock for himself. The two kids, they were for the people, but for himself he had to slay a bullock. And you notice that the, the price of a bullock was much, much greater than the price of the two kids, two little goats. It says in Leviticus 16, 11, 13, to make an atonement for himself and for his house. And how was he to do that? He was to take a censer full of burning coals of fire. Remember what we read in Revelation? And put the incense upon the fire before the Lord, that the cloud of the incense may cover the mercy seat, that he die not. So the censer was so that he die not. Okay? Only after he'd done that, could he enter into the most holy place and sprinkle the bullet's blood and with his finger seven times in the mercy seat. When it says that he had to make an atonement for himself and for his house, we all believe, as Paul tells us, that Jesus is our high priest in the heavenly sanctuary. But Revelation tells us that he hath made us unto our God kings and priests. So if we are priests and he is our high priest, we are of the household of God. As Ephesians 2.19 and Hebrews 3.6 says, For ye are no more strangers, but fellow citizens and of the household of God. Now when the atonement for the house of God is complete, their sins are forgiven, the saints are sealed, and their probation has ended. Not for the house of the people. The people, their probation hasn't ended. The atonement still continues for them. So after the high priest had entered the veil and made atonement for his house, the censer was no longer required and it was set aside. And then he went into the courtyard to kill the goat and then came back in to sprinkle it on the mercy seat. Now the censer was no longer required because after he had uh, the atonement was finished for him, he was holy. He could now enter into the presence of God without needing the censer anymore. And then he went outside to put the blood of the 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 the, uh, the kid that was slain on the scapegoat and take it out into the wilderness. And once he had done that, the whole atonement. The entire time was complete. And those who had not afflicted their souls, those who had not been in a state of repentance, were cut off from among the people. They were no more God's people. So we have these two parts, these two phases to the Day of Atonement. And the censer belonged in the most holy place. It was one of the pieces or items that lived and belonged in the holy, most holy place. It was not something that was used except on the Day of Atonement. We read in Hebrews 9, 3 and 4, And after the second veil, the tabernacle, which is called the holiest of all, which had the golden censer and the Ark of the Covenant. The two go together. So once the high priest had made atonement for himself and his household, the censer was no longer needed. So essentially we have 
probation closing twice. First, for God's people, those who are represented by the priests, after which sense is not needed anymore, and then finally for the world, when the unrepented are cut off. Now how does this fit into the seven feasts? Because in Revelation, every time we see Jesus, he's in the sanctuary. He's either standing before the seven armed golden candlestick, uh, the temple's being filled with smoke, angels coming out of the temple. Revelation is all about the temple, just like the seven feasts are all about the temple. How does it fit? Let me suggest that the Feast of Pentecost corresponds with the censer being cast down. And after the censer is cast down, the six angels sound in Revelation. That's the Feast of Trumpets. Because what do they sound? It's the seven trumpets. And then atonement closes for all, which is the seventh trumpet. As we read in Revelation 11, 15 and 19, which says that no man could enter the temple temple was closed, it was finished. So let's look at the seven feasts in some detail. Now they're giving you a little bit of backdrop about the, the censer, the censer being cast down. Let's look at the feasts. Now, great, um, great Controversy tells us in page 399 that the feasts, these types were fulfilled not only as to the event but as to the time. And what was the Passover? What happened on Passover night? A lamb was taken and was slain. Were any of its bones broken? Not one bone of the lamb was to be broken. And what was to be done with the blood of the lamb? It was put on the, on the doorposts to, to signify those who were under the blood of Christ and those who were not. All right. Now, unleavened bread. Feast of unleavened bread happened exactly. And remember, these things happen with few days of, within a few days of each other. Passover, the very next day was the feast of unleavened bread, and two days later was the feast of first fruit. So Jesus was the unleavened bread. The sin bearer was in the tomb, and he was separated from the living because on the feast of unleavened bread they had to separate from their houses all leaven. They had to hunt through their houses and take all leaven, all yeast, and take it out of their house. Put it out of the house. The Jews still do that ritual today, where they go hunting like Easter eggs, but they're hunting for where the leaven's been hidden. You know, and then they go and take it out of the house. Well, Jesus, as the sin bearer, was taken out of Jerusalem and buried without the city. And sin was separated from, um, from Israel. Well, what was the next one? Well, the first fruits. Well, what does Paul tell us? That Christ is the first risen from among the dead. Well, how is he the first one? Didn't, um, uh, didn't he resurrect the dead people first? Didn't Elijah resurrect a few people? When the Bible tells us that something is the first, it's not necessarily the first in time, it's the first in importance. It's the most important, the leader of all those who are resurrected is Christ. And that happened how many days after he was crucified? It was on the third day. So as Ellen G. White tells us, they were fulfilled not only as to the event but to the time. Now what was the next feast? Well that was the feast of Pentecost. And what happened exactly 50 days after Christ rose from the dead? Pentecost. 
the Holy Spirit was poured out upon the disciples. And now we say, oh well, well, the other feasts didn't get fulfilled, did they? Feast of Trumpets, three months later, there was no Day of Atonement, no Feast of Tabernacles. Or was there? Was there? When did probation close for the House of Israel? Signs of the Times, February 27, 1896. For a few moments, the Son of God stands upon Mount Olivet, expressing the intense yearning of his soul that Jerusalem might repent in the last few moments before the westering sun shall sink beneath the hill. What day is this when he is on Mount Olivet, weeping over Jerusalem? Is this before he was resurrected or after? That day, the Jews as a nation would end their probation. That day. Was this before Pentecost? Story of Jesus, 1896, page 86. But the Jews had rejected their saviour. They were about to crucify their king. And when the sun should set that night, the doom of Jerusalem would be forever sealed. Does that sound like probation closed for them? When the Jews, and this is Isaiah 165, when the Jews sealed their rejection of Christ by delivering him to death, they rejected all that gave significance to the temple and services in its sacredness of department. It was doomed to destruction. So was the censor cast down? What about the Feast of Trumpets? Now Isaiah 58.1 says, Cry aloud, spare not, lift up thy voice like a trumpet. What is the trumpet? Well, Jeremiah 4.19 tells us that the sound of trumpet, the alarm of war. Destruction upon destruction is cried, for the whole land is spoiled. Jeremiah 6.13, I set watchmen over you, saying, Hearken to the sound of the trumpet. But they said, We will not. After Christ's resurrection, was the sound of the trumpet heard? Did the disciples lift up their voice like a trumpet? and sound the alarm of war, sound the destruction upon destruction was coming and the whole land would be spoiled. Why was Stephen martyred? Acts 6, 14-15 We have heard him say that this Jesus of Nazareth shall destroy this place. And how does Daniel d- describe destruction of Jerusalem in Daniel chapter 9? The prince would come with his army, surround the city, and destroy it. So trumpets did sound following Christ's resurrection. The trumpets did sound, but what did they do? They said, we will not listen. What about the Day of Atonement? As I said, it's two parts. First, it closes for the house of God. And secondly, and the house of God specifically, is the high priest and the priests that minister with him in the Jewish era. And then there was the common people, the common Jews. Was there another close probation? Desire of Ages 2.33 in AD 34. By the stoning of Stephen, the Jews finally sealed the rejection of the gospel. The close probation for the Jews as individuals was then complete. Did they celebrate the Feast of Tabernacles? What did they used to have to do in the Feast of Tabernacles? They had to leave their homes, go out into the wilderness and make themselves little huts out of what? Branches. What did Jesus say to his disciples? 
regarding the destruction of Jerusalem. He said, flee into the mountains, for there shall be great tribulation. What do you think they did in the mountains? Did they have a holiday home there? So was the Feast of Tabernacles fulfilled? It was. Every single one of the feasts were fulfilled in Jesus' day. And my question is, what did Jesus say about the events leading to the destruction of Jerusalem in Matthew 24? That the destruction of Jerusalem was just a symbol of what would happen at the destruction of the world. So for Pentecost here, the first fruit was the resurrection of Christ and the disciples were the first ones sealed with the Holy Spirit following Christ's ascension into heaven. Pentecost was the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, but at the same time it was the door being shut because those who heard the preaching of the disciples with power after Pentecost and still refused to believe, was there any more hope for them? What more could Christ do for them? Nothing. The trumpets was the preaching of the apostles regarding the destruction to come and the closing of probation. The atonement was the actual final close of probation for the Jews and the tabernacles was the destruction of Jerusalem. Are we expecting another Pentecost? Are we expecting a close of probation? Are we expecting another Feast of Tabernacles? What about Passover? Are we expecting another Passover? Will the censer be cast down again? Will the trumpets sound again? Ah, it's all futurism, you say. Maybe. Let's see what the prophet of the Lord says. Manuscript released, volume 5, page 204. The destroying angel is soon to go forth again, not to destroy the firstborn only, as in Egypt. What did we call that feast? That was the feast of Passover. But to slay all those who have not the mark of God in their forehead. So is the Passover coming again? And then in Testimonies, volume 5, page 505, when God was about to smite the firstborn of Egypt, he commanded the Israelites to gather their children from among the Egyptians into their own dwellings and strike their doorposts with blood that the destroying angel might see it and pass over their homes. The angel is to place a mark upon the forehead of all who are separated from sin and sinners and the destroying angel will follow to slay utterly both old and young. So the feast of Passover is what? Is the sealing of God's people. Unleavened bread. That past the future. Just as soon as God's people are sealed, which was what? It was the feast of Passover. And prepared for the shaking, it will come. This is the Bible Country, volume 4, page 1161. Review and Herald, 19th January. 1864, God's people will be sifted even as corn is sifted in a sieve until all the chaff is separated from the pure kernels of grain. Is there to be a separation from saints and sinners in the church? Is there going to be a separate putting away of sin in the church? Fourth Testament, in nine, in every religious crisis, some fall under temptation, the shaking of God blows multitudes like dry leaves. And Testimonies, Volume 8, 5, sorry, page 81. Contest is between the commandments of God and the commandments of men. And this time the gold will be separated from the dross in the church. Chaff like a cloud be borne away from on the wind. 
even from places where we see only rich floors of wheat. What about first fruits? Is there going to be a feast of first fruits? Is that going to be fulfilled again? Spiritual Gifts, Volume 1, page 185. I asked the meaning of the shaking I had seen. That's the unleavened bread. I was shown that it would be caused by the straight testimony called forth by the counsel of the true witness to the latest sins. This testimony must work deep repentance and all that truly receive it will obey and be purified. Does that sound like first fruit? First fruit of the harvest? Of the great harvest to come? Testimonies, Volume 5, page 210. Some who had been dishonoured, God repented and humbled their hearts before him. Sermons and Talks, Volume 1, page 390. Repentance for sin is the first fruit of the working of the Holy Spirit in the life. It is the only process by which infinite purity reflects the image of Christ in his redeemed subject. So we say that we, you know, Christ is waiting for us to reflect his image. But what's the only process by which that can happen? Repentance. Not by singing lots of hymns. Not by doing lots of missionary work. What about Pentecost? After first fruits, there's a Pentecost. Because Pentecost is the harvest, the main harvest. And what's going to be happening in the Pentecost? Lots of people are going to be repenting. Lots of people in the world. I rejoice that the scenes on the day of Pentecost will be repeated. A work will be similar to that of the day of Pentecost. It is left with us to read it, remedy the defects in our characters, to cleanse the soul temple of every defilement. Then the latter rain will fall upon us as the early rain fell upon the disciples on the day of Pentecost. Is Pentecost coming again? What about trumpets? Are the trumpets in Revelation going to sound in the future or are they just things of the past that happened hundreds and hundreds of years ago? We say that we're people of prophecy. Yet, every time we talk about prophecy, we talk about what happened five, six hundred years ago. Really? Maranatha, page 257. Solemn events before us are yet to transpire. Trumpet after trumpet is to be sounded. Can you explain how that's to happen? Can you interpret that for me? Well, we're supposed to be people of the book. We can't explain simple statements from the Spirit of Prophecy in regard to Revelation. Scenes of stupendous interest are right upon us. Terrible are the judgments of God revealed. This is manuscript released by 15, page 219. The seven angels stood before God to receive their commission. To them were given seven trumpets. So the seven trumpets are the judgments of God. I want you to remember that. Okay, it's very important. Now, in the Hebrew, to the Jews, they call the Feast of Trumpets the Day of the Awakening Blast. Because this was the day that was supposed to awaken them that their final chance to repent was here, and if they didn't take it, they were going to be lost forever. Now, these terrible judgments of God will wake up everyone to the fact that their destiny is about to close. What about the atonement? Close probation, close of the atonement. The ending of the atonement is still in the future. Great Controversy 6.13, when the third angel's message closes, mercy no longer pleads for the guilty inhabitants of the earth. Then Jesus ceases his intercession in the sanctuary. Above every case has been decided for life or death 
Christ has made the atonement for his people and blotted out their sins. That's what the atonement is about. It's about blotting out of sins. It's not just about mediation. It's not just about you know praying to God for help or for comfort or for consolation. It's about the blotting out of sin. And that hasn't happened yet. And finally, the Feast of Tabernacles. Are we going to keep the Feast of Tabernacles? The whole point of the Feast of Tabernacles in Patriarchs and Prophets 540 is in memory of their pilgrim life in the wilderness, the people were to leave the houses and dwell in booths made from trees. And what does earlier writings, page 34, say? In the time of trouble, we all fled from the cities and villages and lived where? In the wilderness, in caves and under trees. Great Controversy 635, the people of God, some in prison cells, some hidden in solitary retreats in the forests and the mountains. So essentially the seven feasts are an outline of last day events. Had you realised that? It tells us what's going to happen. You know, I'm not taking one verse and trying to twist it to say what, I'm, what I'd like it to say. I've read to you statements of spirit prophecy every single one of these in the future. And if you paid attention to those statements, they're all in sequence. Every single one of these is in sequence. Alright. What about the sensor? Let's come back to the sensor. Because for us, knowing last day's events means absolutely nothing if the censor is cast down and our sins have not been blotted out. Remember, the censor was cast down before the trumpet sounded. Let's read that statement I read before, Manuscript Release 15, 219, a little bit more fully, because I left a little bit out before. Terrible are the judgments of God revealed. The seven angels stood before God to receive their commission. To them were given seven trumpets. The Lord was going forth to punish the inhabitants of the earth for their iniquity. And the earth was to disclose her blood and no more cover her slain. Remember, it's the judgments of God. 1997. Oh, that the people might know the time of their visitation. The time of God's destructive judgments is the time of mercy for those who have had no opportunity to learn what is truth. His hand is still stretched out to say, while the door is closed the household of God. It's closed. You're either inside or you're outside, but it's closed. And those who would not enter, they're staying outside. Doesn't matter how many years you've been in the church. Doesn't matter how many hours a day you read your Bible like the Jews used to do. Doesn't matter if you can quote it all off by memory like they used to do. Nothing matters. Once the censor is cast down, if you are not inside the door, Nothing else matters. And that happens before Pentecost. Now, this is a nice little comparison. Now, I've read this quote to you before, 1888 Materials, page 1303. We are amid the perils of the last days. The time will soon come when the prophecy of Ezekiel 9 will be fulfilled, and that prophecy should be carefully studied, for it will be fulfilled to the very letter. And I don't have to remind you what that prophecy is about. And if I do, then you better go home and look it up. But the important thing is what I want to read is the next part of the quote. Study also the 10th chapter, which represents the hand of God at work to bring perfect method and harmonious working the operation of his prepared instrumentalities. So chapter 10 describes how he's going to purify the church, how he's going to make it follow his will rather than its own will perfect and harmonious working 
Well, let's compare Revelation 8 that we've been reading about the censor being cast down in Ezekiel. Revelation 8, 4, we read about the censor that come with the prayers of the saints okay, and ascend before God. Well, Ezekiel 9 talks about the angel going through and setting a mark upon the foreheads of the men that sign Christ. Now, the censor represents the prayers of the saints. What do you think they're praying about? Do you think they're praying, saying, oh, thank you, God, because we're so blessed? Well, Ezekiel tells us they're praying to God because they're sighing and crying. Not because they're rejoicing and celebrating. Let's go to the next verse, Revelation 8, 5. And the angel took the censer and filled it with fire of the altar and cast it to the earth. Well, if we continue reading Ezekiel, we'll go to a few verses on in chapter 10 where Ellen White tells us what it's described. It says, And he spoke unto the man clothed with linen, Go and fill thine hand with coals from the fire from between the chairmans and scatter them over the city. How do you purify things? In, before we had penicillin and antiseptic and all that, how, how did they used to purify things? Kill all the bugs, all the bacteria? Fire. Fire. And then if we you know, continue on the, the sequence in, in Revelation, uh, once the seventh trumpet sounds, you know, the temple's filled with smoke and no man can enter. Well, Ezekiel 10, uh, two verses down, the house was filled with the cloud and the court was, was full of the brightness of the Lord's glory. So the coals of the fire being spread. Now, is it comfortable to walk on coals of fire? How many people have had a hot coal burn through their shoe? I have. It's not fun. Okay, you can't get your shoe off fast enough. This is the process by which God's temple is purified so that his house can be filled with the brightness of his glory. Now, you know, we could spend a lot of time going through these parallels. I just want to read a few verses about the purification of the church and the coals of fire from the Old Testament. Isaiah 6, 5-7, what this process is. Then flew one of the seraphims unto me, having a live coal in his hand which he had taken with tongs off from the altar. These same ones that are cast to the earth. And laid it upon my mouth and said, Lo, this has touched thy lips and thine iniquity is taken away and thy sin is purged. So when the censer is cast down, that represents what? The sins of God's people are purged. They're blotted out. It's a purification of the church. Here's another verse. Isaiah 33, 10-16 Now will I arise, saith the Lord. Now will I be exalted. Now will I lift up myself. And the people shall be as the burnings of lime, as thorns cut up shall thou be burned in the fire. The sinners in Zion are afraid. Fearfulness has surprised the hypocrites. Where? Where are they? They are in the world. They're in Zion. Who amongst us shall dwell with the devouring fire? This is not a metaphor. This is talking about when the coals of fire cast to the earth. That's when we will have to dwell with the devouring fire. Have we thought about what that means? What kind of holiness, what kind of purity is required to not be burnt up? 
who amongst us shall dwell with everlasting burnings. He shall dwell on high. His place of defence shall be the munitions of rocks. Bread shall be given him. His waters shall be sure. So this last part of the verse is talking about what time? The feast of? Tabernacles. So the coals are cast to the fire, cast to the earth, before the Feast of Tabernacles. Alright, let's look at another one. Isaiah 4, 3 to 4, And it shall come to pass that he that is left in Zion, and he that remaineth in Jerusalem, shall be called holy, even every one that's written among the living in Jerusalem, when the Lord shall have washed away the filth of the daughters of Zion, and shall have purged the blood of Jerusalem from the midst thereof by the spirit of judgment and by the spirit of burning. Burning. Are you ready for that time? Are you ready to be cast, to be chucked on the, on the barbie? As um, Australians used to like saying, Paul Hogan used to say, are you ready for that? Because that's going to happen. If you're not ready for that, you're going to be fizzled, sizzled up. You're going to be at a bit of charcoal. Now Habakkuk 3.4 And his brightness, speaking of God, was as the light. And he had horns coming out of his hand. And there was the hiding of his power. But before him went the pestilence. The burning coals went forth at his feet. This is God Christ walking through the earth in the last days. He stood and measured the earth. What does measure mean? Measurement is judged. Judgment. He judged the earth. This is talking about the second stage of the close of the Day of Atonement. He measured the earth. He beheld and drove asunder the nations. So this gives us a, a picture of what it means when the censer is cast down and the coals are cast to the earth and just to make it bring it home a little bit Reverend Herald 19th of November 1908 the time of trouble is about to come upon the people of God then it is the decree will go forth forbidding those who keep the Sabbath from buying or selling so the time of trouble starts with the no buy no sell law it doesn't start with the close of probation general close of probation for probation for everybody Close, it starts with a no by no sell law. Uh, Southern Review, 24th of March. When the time of trouble comes, okay, when the no by no sell law comes, every case will have been decided. Whose case? Case for everyone in the world? No. For the household of God. Every case will have been decided. Our own course of action is determined whether we shall be destroyed with the works of iniquity or delivered with the people of God. So probation closes for us when the no binary soul law comes. Review and Herald, December 23, 1902. In the time of trouble just before us, when the, what does it say? Judgments of God fall upon the impure. Now, what were the judgments of God? What, what, what feast is that? It was the feast of? Trumpets. Remember? She said that the judgments of God are revealed and the trumpet after trumpet was to sound. So the time of trouble 
is the beginning of the sounding of the trumpet. It's time when probation has closed for God's people. Which is why we have a warning, those who delay preparation for the day of God cannot obtain it in the time of trouble or any subsequent time. The case of all such is hopeless. When the censor is cast down, it's too late for God's people. In a little while, everyone who is a child of God will have his seal placed upon him. Oh, that it may be placed on our foreheads. Who can endure the thought of being passed by? When the angel goes forth to seal, and what feast was the sealing? It was the feast of the Passover. Passover. See, once the Passover, feast of Passover happens and God's people are sealed, it, then the time comes for the senses to be cast down. All right. Time of trouble, such as never was, is soon to open upon us, and we shall need an experience which many are too. What does that word mean? Lazy. Too lazy. It's too much work. I just go on the way I've been going on. It's okay. You know, just keep doing what I've been doing. I'm, I'm good. I believe in God. You know, I'm like, you know, I, I have a relationship with Him. It's all I need. So I just keep going as I am. Too indolent to obtain. That means that it's. You've got to put some work into it. You've got to put some effort into it. It's not going to happen just because you sit in church and listen to preaching and, you know, sing a few hymns. It's often the case that trouble is greater in anticipation than in reality, but this is not true of the crisis before us. The most vivid presentation cannot reach the magnitude of ordeal. I mean, you worry about what the governments are going to do to God's people. That's nothing. You should worry about what happens when the coals of the fire are cast to the earth. God comes, Jesus comes here to walk through the earth. That's what you should be worried about. Not what the governments of the earth are going to do to you. So that many were neglecting the preparations so needful. I'm looking for the time of refreshing and the latter rain to fit them to stand in the day of the Lord. Oh, how many saw the time trial without a shelter. They neglected the needful preparation. And they could not receive the refreshing. So this is our, this is our feast. The Passover is the sealing of God's people. Feast of Unleavened Bread is a separation from the wheat, from the chairs, amongst God's people. And as I've said many times, read many statements through prophecy, clouds of chaff, where we think we see only wheat. First fruits. Repentance is the first fruit. And it's when the 144,000 begin to appear. Because the 144,000 are the, what does Revelation 14 verse 3 say? They are the first fruits. Then we have Pentecost. Pentecost, later rain will not come until the 144,000 are sealed in their foreheads. I've told that many times. And when Pentecost comes is when the door is closed and the censer is cast down. Well, actually, the door is closed, the censer is cast down just before the Pentecost actually happens. Um, and Pentecost is that pouring the Holy Spirit to those who their probation has ended and who are sealed. And then it's time for the seven trumpets to sound God's destructive judgments, which are also a warning to those in the world, those who don't believe in God, those who don't read the Bible. They're going to suddenly want to know why all these very strange things are happening why cities are being destroyed one after the other. They're going to want to know what they must do to save their souls. And that happens just before atonement 
closes for the last person in this world. And after that, God's people will celebrate the Feast of Tabernacles in the mountains. And that is the end. It's the end of everything. So, we've seen last day's events depicted in the seven feasts of Israel. And it behooves us to make sure that when the censer is cast down and the atonement for the house of God's people is finished, that we are on the right side of that door. And it's not going to happen just because we come to church and you know sing our hymns and pray our prayers. It's something we must do. Something we must seek. What does Jesus say? You shall seek me and you shall find me when you seek me with half-hearted, double-minded. No. All your heart. 